Today's episode is brought to you by Dr. Jeffrey Halstead, DMD. Dr. Jeffrey Halstead has been Canandaigua's hometown dentist for more than 35 years, offering routine dental care as well as cosmetic dentistry, implants, and dentures by their highly trained and experienced staff. Visit them online at canandaiguadentistry.com or find them on Facebook and Instagram. Today we continue our series previewing local elections across the region by catching up with one of the candidates running for Seneca County District Attorney, John Navinger, joins me in studio. John, welcome back. It's been a couple of years. It has, and thank you for having me. I uh, appreciate it. Uh, let's start with the easiest question I'm going to ask you this hour. Uh, why are you running for District Attorney? Well, it, prosecuting has always been I mean, what I've always wanted to do. It's been at my heart. Um, when I first got out of law school 25 years ago, um, I submitted my resume to every county in the state uh, to for an assistant district attorney job. And that's the only job that I ever looked for. I didn't look for any private sector job, anything like that. I was fortunate enough to be hired here um, January of 98 in the Seneca County District Attorney's Office. Um, I, it was a great three years. I fell in love with Seneca County while I was here. And... Um, but I, to progress my career, I went back up to Onondaga County. I had an opportunity to go to that office. And that's an incredible place. Uh, it's uh, obviously a very large office, a very fast-paced office, uh, tremendous amount of cases. But the people in that office, um, they've got decades and decades of experience. And, and I was able to learn from them. But I always wanted to get back to Seneca County. And, and I had that opportunity to do that, um, taking a job with the public defender's office. And I've been doing that now for two decades. Uh, but I've always wanted to get back to the prosecution. And that's, I mean, that is what I, who I am at, at heart. Yeah. And after I've, I've been watching so many things go on for so long uh, that I just, um, Things need to be different, yeah. and I, I believe that I can help bring that change, um, and I, I believe that people of Seneca County deserve that kind of change. Yeah. Um, what, from your experience, do you think, when you, when you look back at it, uh, has been most beneficial going through this campaign, and when you look forward to, uh, if you're elected, uh, look forward to doing the job, what part of your experience do you think uh, lends itself most favorably to, to you really being able to uh, take this task on? Um, well, certainly uh, seeing the courtroom on the law side of it, the seeing the courtroom from both sides, yeah. uh, I think is a tremendous advantage for me. Uh, in particular, um, any new case that I would get as a prosecutor, I'm going to be able to look at that and I'm going to instinctually see how a defense is going to attack that case, where are the weaknesses, and um, I'll be able to then immediately start to try to shore those up. And I think that's going to be a huge advantage for me uh, because I'm going to I'm going to see that you know automatically um, from the people side of it. It's just again also from seeing it from both sides and from talking to so many different people um, over the campaigns, over my years of representation. Um, I've seen so many different 
perspectives, that it has um, very much shaped my own perspective of what we do and how we do it. I think there's something that we that we in the in the courts sometimes lose sight of, and it is the fact that the decisions that we make, the things that we do every day, impact real people's lives sometimes tremendously. And I think in the formality of the courts and the adversarial proceedings, sometimes we forget that. And my experience um, emphasizes that. And I remind myself of that every day, that you know everything we do is about people, and we can never forget that. What do you say to, to folks when you're campaigning who maybe hear your background and think, well, geez, how can you, how can you go from that to that? How can you flip? How can you just flip and, and do, you know, flip that switch? It isn't that simple, obviously. Sure. Um, but what's your answer to those folks when they bring that concern up? Well, um, as far as, you know, going back to the uh, prosecution side, um, as, I, as I said, I mean, that's always been at my heart. Um, and truthfully, when I first started doing defense work, I had that question for myself. Um, how was I going to do that? And uh, it, it's, a devol- it, it's evolved into the fact that um, I very early on recognized the fact that I was hired by the people of Seneca County to do a job. It's a difficult job, um, but it is a very important job. So not only do I have a duty first to my clients, but I also have a duty to the people of this county to do that job and do it well, because that's what I was entrusted with the responsibility to do, and that's what I've been paid for. Um, So I have done that. And that certainly, looking at it that way, um, there are times that um, I have to separate myself somewhat from the emotion of a case how my personal feelings about a case might be um, in order to do that, what I need to do as the defense, to fulfill my duty to my client, fulfill my duty to the people of Seneca County. I think I've been able to do that. I think I've done that very well. Um, And frankly, I'll never, I I will never apologize for doing that, for doing that good job. Um, As far as going back to prosecution, like I said, I'll be able to, again, I'll have the duty to the people of the county as well as the individual victims and witnesses of, a, of the crimes, people who are involved in that. And I, as I said a little while ago, I will always try to remind myself every day that that's what it's about. It's about those people. Um, as far as the nuts and bolts of looking at a case, it's, it's, very, it's pretty much the same. You look at what are the facts? What can be proven? Do they fit the law? And you know the analysis is very similar uh, from both sides. Um, campaigning for a job like this is is unlike. I think what most people think about political campaigning, because you're not talking about taxes, you're not talking about the things that most people who are knocking on most ca- uh, folks campaigning are knocking on doors, talking about different things. When you talk to folks out in the community, what are you hearing as sort of the top issues uh, from their perspective that a a district attorney could potentially uh, make better? 
Well, uh, it, as I, I think you're somewhat getting at, um, you know, this is the, di the job of the district attorney is not a legislative job. We don't make the laws. We don't make, um, you know, public policy in, in the respect of what comes out of Albany or, or Washington. Excuse me. Um, so how we can affect things and what I'm hearing from people is how do you handle the individual cases with the tools that you currently have? Bail reform obviously is a huge one. People are incredibly concerned that um, individuals who in the past would have been uh, incarcerated are getting out repeatedly. Um, so what I can tell them is that even though bail reform and discovery reform came in and made things much more difficult for the prosecution. There's no question that they, they put some obstacles in the way of a, of a prosecutor getting where they want to be. Um, but there are still tools. There are still things that you can do. And it's like, for the instance of a bail reform case, um, if a person is arrested for a non-qualifying felony, and released because you can't put cash bail on them. If that person subsequently gets arrested for a new felony, there is a mechanism where you can then go to the judge and say, hey, please revoke that release on the prior arrest. Now it takes work. You then have to do a factual hearing. You have to put on witnesses. You have to show that there's reason to believe that that new felony happened and ask the judge to revoke that prior release. That's something that still can be done and it's not being utilized. Um, in, in fact, you know, I've been doing cases in Seneca County Court for four years, almost four years now under the new bail laws. And I handle the majority of the cases as the assistant public defender handling the felonies in Seneca County Court. And up until recently, that had only been done once by the current district attorney's office on one of my cases. And, and there were plenty of opportunities where that could have happened. So it's that kind of concern, the concern of cases, um, frankly, just not getting taken care of. Yeah. Um, and, and delays and... You know, it just, it's, without getting too negative, you know, it, those are the kinds of things that I have seen personally, things that I hear from people constantly, which is why I want to step into this role and do better. This is a question that uh, we've gotten via email ahead of these interviews um, about a half dozen times, and I want to ask it. I, I'm asking it in good faith, but I'm not sure what the answer is. Sure. Uh, prosecutorial philosophy. What is your approach when it, when it comes to being the district attorney? If you are elected district attorney, what will be your your guiding philosophy or your guiding approach? That seems to be one of the things that is pretty high on on uh, folks who listen to this program's mind. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious what your thoughts are when you hear that question. What 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 comes to mind? Okay. Well. You and I talked about this quite a little bit the last time we sat down. Um, it is, I have come to believe 
that we basically deal with two different kinds of people in the courts, in the criminal courts. We deal with criminals. And when I say a criminal, I'm talking about a person who that's who they are at heart. That's the life choices they've made. That's who they are every day. That is almost certainly how they're going to be for the rest of their life because that's what they've decided to do. And for those people, we have to take a very specific, harsh approach. Those people have to be out of our community as much as best we can to protect our community from them. The second kind of person is a person who commits a crime. Doesn't mean they're a bad person. That means they've done something wrong. They must be held responsible for that. They must answer for that. But that doesn't mean who necessarily who they are, that's who they are at heart, or that that's how they're going to be for the rest of their lives. And those folks, we have to try to correct behavior. We have to, in whenever we can, provide tools to help them correct that behavior. Sometimes that tool is jail. I've actually had, I've had people tell me that going to jail for a period of time saved them. Um, so in that respect, you know, we have to provide guidance and help to the one type, and we have to protect our community from the other type. Is that also what it means to you well, when someone asks you about fairness, prosecutorial fairness? Is that, what, is that kind of the same, same deal? Oh, absolutely. That's part of it. You have to look at uh, because there are times, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, there are maybe times where a person who's never been in trouble before, they've lived a good life. They have a lot of positive things. They've been helpful in the community. Uh, they work, they, you know, they contribute. Does something that is so egregious that you simply can't say, all right, I'm going to give you some slack on this you know you have to come at that harsh so you you have to look at each individual person their background what they did um and deciding and keep that as uniform as much as possible you know treat everyone the same way with the same um with the same considerations of the level of the offense and their history and their background when you hear someone say, we want our district attorney to be uh, an advocate for victims and witnesses, what comes to mind? What, what's, the, what's the approach there? First and foremost, communication. Um, I believe um, that unfortunately our current administration has failed in a large way uh, to look for that communication or provide that communication, look for that input. There's something that we used to do when I came here in Seneca County in 98, and then also happened in um, Onondaga County as a, as a rule on every case in Onondaga County, we would send out a victim letter. So as soon as the case came in, before it even hit the assistant DA's desk, a letter was sent out saying, this is your case. This is your assistant district attorney assigned to your case. Please contact them because we want your input. And that doesn't mean that you can always give them what they want. 
but you absolutely, absolutely owe it to them to hear what they have to say, to try to take their wishes into consideration, and to actively seek that out. You can't just say, oh, well, they, they never bothered calling me. Well, then pick up the dang phone, you know? Um, so it's, it's in, incredibly important that, that we hear, like I represent my clients now, I, need, I talk to them, I wanna know what their wishes are same thing. We need to hear from the victims and the witnesses and law enforcement for that matter. I mean, even though they may not be the victims, but I'm sorry, we, you know, you, we need to talk to, to law enforcement, the people who are involved in those cases, the people who probably know many of these defendants better than most anybody. We need to hear from them too. Um, so it's, it's communication and that is top of my, that's day one that is going to change. We're going to reinstitute that policy. Those letters will go out on every single case. It's interesting you say that because I think when a lot of people hear uh, victim advocate, they think outcome rather than the communication that's happening throughout the entire process, which, by the way, can be time uh, time consuming and a long one, uh, which is the next thing I want to get into. Uh, timely prosecution is kind of this ambiguous thing that's always talked about. Uh, and obviously, it varies based on what kind of discovery standards are set and scheduling and a variety of other factors, I'm certain. Uh, when you think timely, what comes to mind and what could be improved from what you've seen uh, in the court system locally? Um, again, and this is something that I take from uh, Onondaga County, um, we had every, um, every month we had to answer to our immediate supervisors the status of our cases. And those cases there would be essentially ticklers on them for time. Now, the law says on a felony matter, you have six months to be ready for trial. That doesn't mean the trial has to happen within those six months. And there can be, that six months can be extended because of things like you're talked about, excludable time for various other issues. That means that any partic a particular time period didn't count. Mm -hmm. But you had time you had one month, three month, four month. If you were getting to four months on a, on a case that is a six month case, a felony case, you better have a pretty good explanation of why it's taking so long to move on that case. And if it's gonna be taking longer than that, you need to have a written waiver of time. Not, not a, a, oh yeah, from the defense attorney, oh yeah, no problem, we'll, we'll adjourn. That's fine, and you know certainly with a good working relationship between a defense attorney and a prosecutor, um, you're going to take that person at their word, certainly. But later on, there may be somebody looking at the file that wasn't part of that conversation. So that written waiver is incredibly important, and that was required on every case in Onondaga County that was going to continue even close to the six month period. Um, so, it, you know, it's that kind of review. It's that kind of staying on top of it. 
um, you eliminate the possibility of a case getting put in a drawer someplace and kind of forgotten about, which unfortunately has happened, mm -hmm. um, or at least it, it seems that way. Um, I mean, that's, that's one of the first steps. Again, you know, instituting that accountability and instituting the fact that um, we're going to review these things. We will have regular staff meetings. We will have questions. I will have questions about where do these cases stand and why. And I won't accept uh, while we're getting to it. One of the questions that I've gotten uh, more times than I can count since I've been here at Finger Lakes One, we're going, we're getting close to 10 years now, uh, when it comes to crime and courts coverage is, why do so many cases wind up as a plea deal? Well, why does it happen? And I guess as a candidate running for district attorney, uh, what do you say to those people who have that question, who feel like whether it's a, the right perception or whether it's wrong, I have no idea, uh, that a lot of cases wind up uh, just dealt out and not going all the way through trial? Well, it, it's a matter of sheer numbers. Yeah. Um, in Seneca County, I'm not sure exactly what the numbers are right now. We've had things have been a bit different the last couple of years. Um, but historically, we would have somewhere around 120 cases that were indicted or were what's called a superior court information. It's a, uh, an agreed upon doc uh, resolution that goes in front of the county court judge that skips the grand jury process. So the grand jury process is what would normal would in, uh, result in an indictment. The superior court information by agreement can skip that and replace the indictment, but it's still an accusatory instrument that starts the felony process in front of the county court judge. So historically, we've had about 120 or so of those. You've got 12 months in the year and four weeks in a month each trial week is about that about a week and we have one judge and they have to do all of their business for family court supreme court and criminal court judge borsch has to so again historically there's been one week a month set aside for trials and that includes as i said criminal trials and supreme court trials so it's simply the numbers don't add up. You, you have to resolve these cases somehow. So if, if magically we had a, an unlimited pool of taxpayer money, which obviously we do not, <laughs> but if we did and you, we built uh, another 10 courthouses and hired another 10 judges and the, all of the associated staff and prosecutors and defense attorneys, sure, we could try every case. But we simply, that's, the numbers don't allow that to happen. So the, the key to me is then, okay, what cases do you seek to deal? And what is the nature of that deal? Because there are some cases that I'm sorry, you don't offer them a plea deal. Based on who they are and what they've done, no. You can plead guilty as charged or you can go to trial. And if that means things get backed up, so be it. There are other cases that you, 
you lose them before you give them away. They are so important that even if it is a difficult case, a case that may not be the strongest case in the world, you go to trial for that based on principle, even if you end up potentially losing it because you don't agree to just let somebody walk away from it because of what they've done. So, yeah, you have to set your priorities. Uh, for myself, the first and foremost, everything's important, but there are some that are 1As maybe, you know, whatever you want to say. Violence against a person. You do physical violence to another person, and I include sex cases with that because even though the law may not consider them violent crimes sometimes, I do. You do violence against another person, no deal. We don't, we don't play. Do um, using a weapon in the commission of a crime. Now, even if you don't actually use it on a person, if it's a threatened or even just having it present, that ups the ante so much and adds that factor that the likelihood of someone getting hurt is gone tremendous gone way up and i'm not just talking i'm not talking about guns so certainly guns are part of that but anything a bat a knife you know uh, a chair you know, whatever um and then finally you know drug dealing for profit that is a that kind of activity is a scourge on our community. So the guy that truly is out there poisoning the people of our community simply so that they can put a huge flat screen on their wall, I have no sympathy at all for that kind of purpose, for that kind of person, excuse me. So it's that kind of a priority list that is going to inform me anytime that I am talking about uh, plea bargains. Yeah. And uh, as I said before, sometimes it's simply not appropriate. Yeah. Bail reform, what is or is not a qualifying offense. Uh, all these different, uh, we talked about discovery earlier, changes to discovery that have happened in the last, say, two, two to three, two, four uh, years. It's, it's been with us now four years. Yeah, almost four, four years. Almost four years. Um, still, I would say a good chunk of the population is not fully educated on what any of that stuff means. And they're seeing uh, court proceedings play out through the news through a lens of not fully understanding that stuff. What do you say to the folks who uh, maybe don't understand that stuff fully uh, in terms of what you can do on the advocacy side for the changes that make sense for prosecution of crime? Absolutely. Um, first of all, it goes back to what I was talking about, communication. Um, you need to communicate with the people of your own community about why these things are important, why voting is important, because it's the people that are in Albany that are making these laws um, and letting them know what is really happening, communicating to the people of your community, you know, what is really happening and, and why are these things you know, specifically, why are they such a problem? Specifically, why we think specific changes can can 
take place. And then beyond that, it is joining forces with other district attorneys, other officials, people who are in Albany. I've, I've already had people ask me who are in Albany, are you going to be willing to stand up with us and, and advocate for these changes? And I, I couldn't say yes fast enough. Um, so again, you communicating that to your to your community and your people, but also communicating that to the public as as a whole and and the lawmakers in Albany that these are the problems. These are the very specific problems, and simply saying here's a problem with no suggestion for a solution, I don't think it's very productive. You know, so you have to be able to communicate all of that, not only the problem, but what you think is probably a good solution. Uh, to that and those suggestions. It's it's all part of that communication and absolutely, you know, we need to be able to do that. What do you see as the biggest challenge facing prosecutors right now in New York State? Uh, well, I hate to say it, but certainly bail reform is part of it. Uh, but I don't necessarily think that it's the biggest part of it. Um, you know, we have, I have often said that I think that when the legislatures has started taking away discretion from our individual judges and mandating various things, well, bail reform is a perfect, you know, um, example of it. They've taken the discretion away from our judges, our judges that again, know our communities best, may know these individuals best, or know them very well, um, know where a situation you know, may or may not warrant uh, on some other levels, whether or not this person should remain in jail or not. Uh, bail reform has taken that away. There's, there's a list of what you can put cash bail on, and there's a list of what you can't. Um, Sentencing, there's mandatory sentencing that again, you know, require certain outcomes. And we've taken that discretion away from our judges a lot. And I think that's a problem. Uh, and that does make it difficult uh, as a prosecutor uh, at times to maneuver and to navigate that, you know, where you know there's mandatory outcomes <clears throat> if you take certain actions. And maybe that mandatory outcome isn't, um, isn't just or isn't where you feel that it needs to be. Um, so that's, that's very, I think that certainly is part of it. Um, uh, beyond that, I think, I think dealing with discovery, um, even though we're four years in, it is still difficult because the burden on the, on the prosecution is so high. Um, and again, it just takes it just takes working like crazy because you can't simply sit back and say, "Well, everything that was given to me, I've given to you." When you're talking to a defense, you have to be able to affirmatively go to the law enforcement agencies, affirmatively go out and seek this discovery, so that you can then turn it over. So if you have a report that says you know, from the sheriff's department or the state police that says on this date, we collected this evidence and we submitted it to the lab for testing. And you had that report 
five months ago or six months ago, and now you're saying, oh, I just got all this information, uh, or I didn't know this e existed, and that's resulting in a delay, why weren't you asking for that stuff five, six months ago when you had that report? And it's that affirmative due diligence that you have to do. And it's, it's a tremendous amount of work. Um, it, it, by no means is it easy. Uh, but, you know, that's, it's, it's the job. It's what you have to do because you simply cannot let these things slip through the cracks. You can't. You just can't. You're describing a job in an office that is manpower heavy, has to be manpower heavy just because of the, the volume of work that you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious, when you think about smaller counties like Seneca, Seneca is one of the five or six smallest counties in the state. Mm -hmm. um, are there concerns about, you know, sort of long term being able to maintain as the state sadly continues to kind of like chalk on more and more and more uh, legwork before a case can actually get to a trial or even a, a plea bargain? Uh, absolutely. And, and I know I can tell you that in the last few years, one thing that the state has done is they have actually provided uh, more funding uh, for the defense on a lot of this stuff. And they've provided some help in the prosecution. Um, goes back to what we were talking about just a little bit ago, advocating for good policy and law coming out of Albany. If there are resources that need to be uh, put towards the prosecution to make sure that we can keep up, to make sure that we can meet our burdens, the burdens that have been put on us by the, the legislature, then we need to advocate for that. Um, and beyond that, I mean, it sound, it may sound simplistic, but you, you don't have a choice. That's your job. That's what you have to accomplish. And if that means, um, you know, working 80 hours in a week um, to make that happen, then that's what you have to do. Appreciate you taking the time today. Where can folks learn more about your campaign as we go towards Election Day? Um, Facebook, uh, John Davinger for District, District Attorney. Um, and we have a website, uh, John Davinger for District Attorney. Um, and we certainly, anyone wants to reach out, we'll answer whatever questions we can. John, thanks for taking the time today. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. That'll do it for this edition of FLX Today. If you'd like to hear more conversations like this one, check out the show on your favorite podcast platform or subscribe to the FingerLakesOne.com YouTube channel. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time.